Hey there, welcome to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You're going to hear inspiring stories of men and women who are embracing their top five Clifton strengths in all kinds of ways. You'll be encouraged to understand more about what's so great about you. Learn how knowing, developing, and living more moments using your strengths can bring you joy and purpose in your life. I'm your host, Barbara Colwell. Hey there, as you're listening to Embrace Your Strengths, you might wonder how you can learn more about your strengths. I would love to connect with you and help you discover what is unique and amazing about you as we unpack your top five Clifton strengths. Who you are matters. Through one on one coaching or a team workshop, you can begin to know and develop your strengths, which can bring you more joy and purpose in your life. You and your coworkers can see and appreciate the value each person brings to your team and work together more effectively. Go to my website, barbaracolwell.com, where you can learn more details. You can contact me at barbaragcolwell at gmail.com. Hi there. Welcome to Embrace Your Strengths. I am so eager today for you to hear from my next guest, Mike Craig. Welcome, Mike. Hi. Hi, Barbara. Good to be here. Oh, I'm so um, excited to talk to you today, and Mike and I have known each other for for a while, and it's just fun to see just so many different ways I I see how your strengths are showing up. But give us a little um, introduction to you, like who you are, where you are, and what you do. You bet. Well, I am. Um, I live in Austin, Texas. I've got I'm married. Uh, I've got three kids that are all teenagers uh, at this point. Um, I am a founder and executive director of a ministry called Storyline, which is focused on mo- the mobilization of the global church uh, toward mission. So we do a lot of education in uh, 20 to 25 countries uh, around the world, helping them understand God's heart for the nations and find ways of engagement. So um that's what I do. Uh, born in Austin, but when I was like two or three years old, we moved to Montana. So I grew up in Montana, went to the University of Montana, and um, ended up marrying a girl from Houston. That's Kristen, and I am back in Austin. So, well, that's it's so fun just to to hear a little bit about your backstory. I know I've kind of known some of those things about you, but it'll be fun just to unpack a few of those details about your life and where you are. But I know we, we kind of first met through crew and when do you remember that we first connected? It was, I guess, in Fort Collins. You know, I think it was probably, I mean, Kristen and I, after we were first, we got married in the year 2000 and we were assigned to the university of Arkansas. So it was pro, I think it was probably one of the regional conferences, Pine Cove, um, maybe the fall staff gathering sometime sometime in the 2000 to 2002 time frame i think that's when i mean that was the first time i got familiar with with the red river region texas oklahoma arkansas this whole part this whole region of the south so it's probably in that time frame yeah well i've just always enjoyed both of you and it's fun that you live in austin now and i know especially it was encouraging to have a little time with Kristen, when y'all were living overseas, and I know we'll kind of get into that um, a little bit more through talking about your strengths. But mm-hmm. um, 
Well, tell me about what your top five Clifton strengths are and kind of kind of how that's informed you and what you're doing. I mean, it's exciting to think of just the different opportunities you've had and just how you continue just to continue to move forward and wanting your life to count and impact, like you say, the, the world. And so I'm eager to hear more about that. You bet. Well, I uh, read the book Strengths Finders 2.0 years ago. I mean, it could have been, you know, five or six years ago, I think. Um, and it was very helpful for me uh, in understanding, you know, how I'm wired and what my strengths are. And um, I really like the premise of the book. I like the idea of, you know, fo- you know figuring out what you're really good at um, and focusing on those strengths. So I, I, I really enjoyed the book. It, what it gave me, what were, let's see, the five uh, strengths it gave, it gave me were futuristic. Um, I think that was probably number one or the strongest maximizer was number two ideation was number three uh significance and self-assurance so that was the sort of the uh combination of of strengths um that it gave me and and i i found it really really helpful Hmm. yeah well so kind of i know when i see you sometimes i i'd known that you had futuristic and i hear and observe that often as I hear you talk about different things, but tell us a little bit about how, like even how you've seen just those mix of your strengths really Mm -hmm. kind of inform like what you've been doing with your life the last years. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think, you know, there, there was a time and I, I don't know if this was part of the sort of self-development movement, you know, you know, it seemed like there was this time when, it was all about kind of figuring out what your weaknesses were and then trying to kind of spending a lot of energy and effort to kind of shore those up. And, um, I, I just love this because, you know, if you think about a, I don't know, a basketball team or a football team, you know, all they're doing is finding people that are in their strength. Like, you know, who is the best at running the ball? Who is the best kicker and everybody's operating. And so in a real world setting, we know that that makes sense. And so, um, you know, I was looking, I was looking to, you know, for some help in understanding um, that. And so it, it was really helpful in that sense. But as I, as I've looked back, I mean, I think that, you know, the futuristic piece when, when I discovered that um, it really gave me language and some specificity and some verbiage to some things that I had intuitively already felt were there. Um, there was a, there was a, book that I read that encouraged me years ago to kind of go back and look at your vocational history and try to study how you made decisions at different waypoints in your career um, or just in your life, like big life decisions. And um, as I, and, and I was already sort of starting that process when I read about strengths finders and, and began to discover these, these strengths. So it really worked out, you know, really well together. And um, as far as the futurist side, I, what I discovered was every single time I was at a major life decision, whether it be career or marriage or whatever, um, there was kind of this process that I would intuitively go through. And um, part of it was, you know, there were things that would energize me 
Um, and kind of like a moth to a flame, like I would be drawn towards certain opportunities, towards certain, you know, um, jobs or roles, whether it be in ministry or, you know, you know, some opportunity outside of ministry. Um, and so the thing, what, what it was, it, what it, the theme, it kept being this idea of, you know, when I was a student at the University of Montana, um, you know, the idea of going on a stint, which is a one-year missionary term of service, um, or, you know, overseas with, with crew. So I, I wanted to do that. That was the, the number one desire of my heart. I prayed about it. Even though I'd studied business, I wanted to go overseas. And But what in particular, like, what in particular really kind of, I guess, galvanized my attention was was this team that were that was going to Siberia to start a student ministry there with students and they were going to start from ground zero like start from nothing now there are other opportunities where you could join an existing team like I think we had a there was something in China that was being discussed Africa Japan but I was really drawn toward you know starting something from nothing um, and I saw that pattern you know, this sort of starting something from nothing theme um, recur in my vocational decision-making history. It, it appeared several times later and I, I can, you know, go through and just, you know, look at each, each big decision and say, wow, I really wanted to do something that was, you know, maybe higher risk, but, but really kind of grew or, you know, something it would take something from zero to one. Um, and so it represented the best, the biggest opportunity. The The significance part of my strengths finders is probably embedded in that as well. Wanting to do something meaningful and significant. Um, but the futurist part of my strength uh, was excited by that too, because I, I saw maybe a greater opportunity and I was drawn to that. Like, wow, you could go somewhere and start from zero, build something. And it's a, it's a greater growth prospect. Maybe that's part of why I was drawn to those. And I could see it in my mind's eye as a futurist, the maximizer part of me probably felt like, Hey, there are a lot of things we could, a lot of raw material already there that we could, we certainly can do this. I mean, that that's probably where that kicks in is seeing how it can actually be done because there seems to be enough raw material and people, personnel, ideas, resources, whatever, to actually make that happen. And I think the significance part of that, of, hey, let's go overseas to a part of the world that is in great need um, to students that don't have what we have here in the United States in terms of some of our really you know vibrant campus ministries. Like, let's go over there and give that to them. So I can kind of see how it all lined up, you know. Um, yeah. Late, later, we came to Austin. We had a lot of choices, but coming to Austin in 2008 was another startup opportunity. There was a ministry here called Bridges International. They didn't have a local chapter at the University of Texas. So I really wanted to be the one to start that. And I thought, wow, there are enough people and resources and, you know, things in this community to where we can start that ministry and I just know it's going to do well. And that's the greatest growth opportunity. It's the greatest opportunity for the kingdom. Um, uh, you know, that it, it was a very easy decision to make. Um, 
And so we saw that team grow. I think we had 10 or 12 staff. Um, and then we handed off the baton and moved on to, to other things after five years. But, but that's a pattern I've seen. And it's, you know, it's intuitively I was making those decisions, but it wasn't until I read that book and understood these strengths that I really had language for it. Yeah. Well, like even capsule of your, um, your top five strengths is that you're a natural visionary. You do things with excellence. You're creative, confident, and you want to, you do things that are outstanding. And it's like just all those together totally make sense of those different things that you've mentioned that you, you're drawn to that you take risk for and you make happen. It's exciting. Well, I love, I know I've heard a little bit about what you do with storyline, but kind of tell us more about that of just like, that's even a bigger, like impacting, like you say, so many nations with um, just yeah. the gospel. Well, and that's kind of where, you know, I think the story of storyline and, and this whole, theme of how my missionary career shifted from being the missionary to sending missionaries mm. was something that I think the in the context of this discussion of strengths and, you know, these particular strengths, you know, I, I can see how these things really helped this process to be very easy because I have heard, you know, I've got friends who have said I could never start something like that. I could, you know, it'd be very difficult or, or whatever, but um, perhaps that's that's why you know these these strengths really do kind of help you because you know the futuristic strength you can literally see things um, yeah. in the future, and it is like you know you see it, you can envision <clears throat> something, and it's not like it's a complete blind faith leap. Mm -hmm. Um, because part of storyline, so storyline, the evolution of it was beginning to see an emerging mission force while I was a missionary in Russia, beginning to see that some of the most fired up young believers were, you know, some of the, the young ladies from, from Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan, you know, a young man from Indonesia, this is the Muslim speaking world, you know, and to see that that's actually where God is really working. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're very under-resourced. Um, they need training, they need tools. And so the shift of, Hey, as a missionary, I send myself, but if I'm a mobilizer mm -hmm. and if I can kind of shift gears in my strategy to where I can send hundreds and hundreds of, you know, my buddy from Indonesia, Iwan, um, Olga, you know, some of these young ladies that they're coming out of, you know, uh, Central Asia. Um, it's, it, so it's not like it was just a blind vision. It's mm -hmm. like we, we did, we were seeing a trend. We're seeing a pretty significant unmet need. Maybe that's the maximizer piece coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, there's definitely some, some pieces of the puzzle on the table you know, that are there and, you know, beginning to say, okay, these things can come together and here are all the steps that it would take um, in, in terms of, you know, an organization. I mean, you've got to, 
There's a legal aspect to that with the IRS. There's a lot of administrative grunt work that's intimidating and difficult. Um, and and those are things I'm not very good at, but Mm -hmm. I knew who I could go ask for help. Yeah. You know, and there are people that knew that process way better than I did. And I just simply went and asked for help. You know, Hey, I can't do this. You can, will you help me? Very, very simple. Um, you know, in terms of designing logos and helping think through sort of the vision and, you know, the mission statement, a lot of that stuff, website, like I'm not good at that stuff, but I know people who can do it. Um, but, but, you know, the, the whole mission is, uh, you know, to get behind the global church as they're now beginning to send missionaries to the 1040 window and, and other places, you know, near them. So, um, you know, and we, we've been able to, to see that happen. I mean, we've been able to see uh, quite a number of um, partners uh, get trained in how to mobilize their churches. I'm not the one that goes in to Ukraine and Costa Rica, Chile, and trains on mission in the local church. It's, it's, it's our partners who are doing that. And so um, we're seeing the realization of what at one point was an idea. It was a, it was a, it was just a vision. Hmm. That's exciting. Well, do you have like any particular story of like, Anyone that you know in one of these countries that you just, as you were with them, you just saw just the potential and what could happen in their life or their ministry or their country? Yeah, I think there are a few. Um, you know, in the, in the very beginning, I, we knew that Latin America was was an emerging, very powerful, very exciting mission force. You know, the, the church has been growing all throughout Latin America, uh, pretty significantly for a very long time. And I had the opportunity, uh, I think it was probably 2016 to go to Costa Rica. And, um, we taught in about three or four different locations and, uh, taught the storyline seminar, which is kind of our, our main seminar on mission. So we taught in about three different locations. And one of the guys who, was there in one of our trainings in San Jose was a guy named Wari Nunez. And he um, just loved the material. Um, I didn't know who he was. I just, you know, we had several folks in the, in the audience there, several students. And so, Hey, he said, Hey, I'd love you to come back to Costa Rica and teach, teach our team. This is great material. We need this for our students, for our young people. So he invited me to come back. And so I flew back to Costa Rica and um, came into his office and I discovered that he worked with an organization called Movida International. And Movida is a mobilization ministry that's all throughout Latin America uh, and South America, uh, you know, Central, uh, Central America and, and South America and even in Spain. And so Wari, uh, I discovered, was a key leader in that organization. And I, he had invited me in to train his staff and he just, he just got really excited about it. And he became the number one spokesman and trainer. Um, he took our material. And of course, you know, when he's speaking Spanish, he is, you know, Costa Rican married to a girl from Chile. 
um, connections. Oh, obviously it's his entire organization, which he brought me in. We trained all their staff. Uh, but, the, but the best trainer is really Wari. And he has a heart to see Latinos and Latin Americans go to the nations. And he wants to raise them up and give them vision and give them training and get, you know, make sure they're well funded. And, and that's, that's his vision. And so, um, I don't think that's our vision imparted to him. I think the Holy Spirit just captured his heart. He was already mobilizing. He just needed, you know, maybe an extra tool and some friendship and some coaching. Uh, but, but he is a, he is one of the leaders that it's been so encouraging to watch him and see, um, see him teach and train and mobilize. Um, so whenever, you know, in the Latin American world, when, when I'm ever asked to speak or teach, I just, I just say, okay, Wari is going to do a way better job. It's in Spanish. Yeah. You know, and you know, he's your guy. So way better for me to buy a plane ticket for Wari to go someplace than for me to get on the plane myself and, you know, teach through a translator. So very exciting. And, then, and there are several other folks like him. Uh, we've got a couple of guys that are similar stories in the Ukraine. One of them taught, has taught the storyline seminar 51 times oh, in wow. um, churches throughout uh, Ukraine. And uh, he, he just, he just loves uh, envisioning the church and uh, calling people toward mission. Mm. That's great. Well, um, it's, I would love just to hear story after story of just things like you're saying, people, their lives being changed through, through what's happening through storyline and you and others just being attentive to what God's doing and where he wants to take the next step. Mm -hmm. Well, um, how, how do you think you've seen your strength show up? It's a little, little turn of the conversation, but even just in your family and like with leading your teenagers or kind of what's yeah. ahead with your family? Well, yeah, with teenagers, it really, I think, you know, it, it's funny because Kristen really thinks about today. You know, and she, she knows, okay, the kids have to get picked up at three 30 and, you know, Macy's going to dance at four 45 and it, like, she is a very, um, uh, detailed, thorough person. And, you know, in a sense, my strength, you know, it's, I kind of had a problem because I am kind of a dreamer you know, with, with futuristic and ideation, I'm kind of like way out in the future. And it does hurt me a little bit um, when I have no clue what's going on this afternoon. You know, and so, <laughs> yeah. so I have to, I have to kind of say, okay, Christian, remind me, what do I do between two and five today? Uh -huh. Like what's going on? And um, keeping a calendar of daily, you know, events, I, it's so hard for me to do it. Um, but if we go out in the future, it's a lot easier. So one of the, one of the, one of the ways it does help me though, um, is that you, know, you, you realize that my time with my teenagers is so limited. Mm. Like for example, I, I fast forward in my mind out to the point and it's not college, you know, when you become an empty nester, so to speak, it's really 
when they get the keys to the car at age 16. <laughs> yeah. But it's the first stage. It's the first time you really, the house is a lot emptier. And you realize, you know, those times where I'm driving my kids in the car because they don't have a license and, and we're talking and interacting, like those times come to a close. So whatever significant conversation, whatever I want to impart, whatever, you know, it, it gets it gets more sparse, right? When they, at 16, when they get, when they get the keys. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it, it, it helps me to say the time is now, you know, with my, cause I've got all teenagers at this point, 13, let's see, 13, 15, he'll be 16 at the end of this month. Um, so he, so October 29th is a huge day when mm -hmm. my son gets his keys, right? So it, it does help, that does kind of help me to say, okay, the time is now with my teenagers. My daughter, by the way, is 17, uh, 17 going on 18. Um, and she'll go to college next year. So, so that's, that, that's, you know, knowing that those things, those are big milestones in the near, very near future helps me to say, okay, as a parent, I need to make the most of the opportunity, right, like right now, um, you know, and so, um, I think some of the, I think the significance piece is really, really big because at the end of the day, you know, one of my greatest hopes for our kids is that they're healthy in their relationships or walking with the Lord, that they love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, but that they also enjoy each other. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot that I want for their future, and you know, because that's such a that, that maybe that's futurist and your you know the significance piece. There's a lot of things um, that I'm not. I don't want to sacrifice. You know, on that altar, if, if you could say it that way. I, I don't want to lose this this desired future. And if there are things that are happening today or opportunity, or whatever, that would compete with that, it's going to be a hard no. Yeah. You know, so, so I think there's some guardrails there. Um, but, um, but yeah, looking out in the future, like, what do I want my family to be in five years? Like, how do I want us to relate to one another? I want, them to not just enjoy being together as a family, but I want them to enjoy each other and be like, Hey, I want to be, I want to see my brother, my sister, you know, I want that fellowship. I, I can't wait to go home and catch up with my family to see what's going on, what's happening. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. that, that's a desired future that I want for us that it wouldn't be, you know, Oh gosh, you got to go to Thanksgiving. Oh man, I got to go. Oh, shoot, you know, Christmas and my family, oh, you know, all these jokes <laughs> about going to your family. Oh, it's a drag. It's horrible. I don't want, that's not the future I want for my yeah. kids and for us. And so what are the, how do you get there? You know, well, we should be doing things now. You know, we should be building memories. We should be having experiences. We should be working on, you know, sending my daughter out to take, her siblings out to lunch and paying for that so that they're having conversation and they're kind of hanging out. I'll finance them to go out to dinner, or, you know, send them off to a football game or something together. You know, I want them to enjoy each other. Um, so that, that's kind of how I think in my mind. 
Mm. How do how do I build that today? Because you're not going to get there if you don't do it today. You got to you got you have to take action steps today, right? If you, if you want to get to that desired future. Well, um, one of the things I'm even as you're talking, I just I love just the intentionality, like you're saying, of thinking about your family and next month and you know the next few years. But I know. I think you've recently purchased something in Montana. Like, is that part of your, what are your dreams about that? And even related to your family? Yeah. So here, here's an interesting, I don't, I don't think we obviously we didn't mention this, but I've got a, I've got an eye disease called retinitis pigmentosa and it's a, it's a progressive disease that basically my retina um, is, um, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's sort of degenerating from the outside in. So, so with this disease, you know, over time I lose vision from the outside, you know, my peripheral vision and it goes, it goes in now that, you know, in the future, so, so in the future, you know, and who, you know, nobody knows. I mean, it could be five years, it could be 10 years, but there could be a time when I, you know, I can't, you know, recreate the way I like to, I can't, you know, so, so, the, the back 20 years of my life might be a very different future. So, so for me, again, it's like, okay, well, you know, and I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, I think God can heal that or slow that way down or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic and I'm highly functional today, but I'm kind of like, well, you know, I, I, I really want to, um, you know, enjoy time with my kids now, like now's the time, right? Like, now I can, I can, I got, I got really good eyesight. I can do all these things. I can get out with them in, in the mountains, on the rivers, you know, I can, but that may not be true in 10 years. Who knows? Um, and so that, that was part of my um, reasoning for buying in this little mountain lodge in Montana. So th this opportunity presented itself last summer and I had some, had some money coming to me from something that I invested in. And so I decided to buy this thing and, um, and kind of the idea, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a very small, um, you know, one bedroom little condo in a mountain lodge, but it's in an area where, you know, really you don't all day, you're just out in the mountains. You're, you're hiking, you're picking huckleberries, you're floating the rivers, you know, but the idea is, you know, um, and, and I took, I had my daughter up there, Kristen, you know, we we're up, up there together. Brendan came up, my son. And so we're, you know, hiking out, out, in, you know, in the mountains and doing all these fun things, building memories and so forth. Um, so fr from the family perspective, it really is an opportunity for me to, to do some things with my family that, um, yeah. how you know, fun. Who, who knows how many summers I, you know, I can be this active. Uh, and, and, then, and then the other thing too is just sharing that with folks, um, you know, um, people that um, maybe need a retreat or whatever, you know, there are lots of times during the year when, I mean, it's probably going to be pretty empty. And so it's, a, it's an opportunity to give that to folks and let them, uh, you know, go up there and rest and find, find some time to, you know, to get refreshed. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Well, I love hearing, like you say, just even the, 
the day-to-day action steps you are taking as you're building just your ministry, your family, just um, even thinking about the future, like you said, with not knowing what, like this, your eye situation, what that'll look like. I think, I don't know, I just appreciate just your heart of really being intentional and and really being action-oriented about what, what your goals are, what you envision for the future. So it's yeah. very inspiring. So, well, um, any other thoughts you have just even about your, you know, we've kind of hit on a lot of different ver- variety of things about your strengths, but I love just getting a little more, um, details of what these kind of look like in your, what, mm-hmm. what you're doing. And like I said, just your life and your ministry, but do any other thoughts you have about your strengths and how that's really impacting you in your life? Yeah. I, I just think that, you know, you don't always have the opportunity to work out of your strengths. You know, um, I know that, um, you know, some people may not feel like, you know, I, they have a job or a role where they're in their strengths, you know, 60, 70% of the time. And I don't know how normal it is. It's probably not very normal to have a role where you're operating out of your strengths, even 90% of the time, you know, you probably have some small percentage. So I, I think, you know, that's something that is just reality. Um, and cause I, I, you know, for me, for a number of years, um, there were big seasons of time when, you know, I, I was not operating in my strength. I didn't have a role that fit, but I, I think the thing I learned is you, you want to be pushing toward that and moving toward that as much as you can, because you're wired for that and you're going to be more fulfilled. You're going to be, um, uh, probably more happy around, you know, you're going to be more of a blessing to people around you when you're in your strength and you're operating out of how you're wired. Um, you know, it's probably unrealistic to to think that you should be in that, in your strength, like a hundred percent of the time. So realize everybody has to do hard things. Mm -hmm. And so you can't just say, Oh, it's not my strength or, Hey, I'm not, I'm out. You know, no, I think, I think there are lots of times when, you know, we just, we serve. And it may not be, you know, exactly your strength, but, right. but pushing, pushing toward, you know, operating, you know, in a majority sense out of your strength, most of the time, I think that's very smart. I think there's a lot of life in that. I think, I think it's something that is not easy, uh, in the world that we live in. Um, you know, but I, I definitely think. It's part of stewarding how God made you is to continue to, to understand yourself, you know, and push toward opportunities that make the most of how you're wired. I think that's, I think the church is blessed by that. I think organizations are blessed by that when people are operating that way. Um, and yeah. so that, that would be my encouragement. That was a big uh, aha moment for me when I, understood more of how I'm kind of wired and said, Hey, it's okay to be that way. <laughs> so it's yeah. okay to be the, 
the oddball, you know, because I had a lot of friction sometimes with leaders in my, in my ministry career, you know, and I'm like, gosh, why am I so abrasive sometimes? Or why, why, why can't I just be content with this situation like everybody else? You know, why, why, why can't I just be happy with this situation and just go 10 years like everybody, you know? Um, so understanding, you know, how you're wired, I think, I just think it's, it's just hugely important. So Barbara, what you're doing is really exciting. And I think you can help people unlock that. I think it's a huge ministry and a huge service for people in what you're doing. Well, thanks. Well, I, I do love, love helping people understand more about their strengths and, um, especially like in a team situation to, to understand the others that they're working with too is real Mm -hmm. brings me a lot of joy because like you're saying, sometimes it's a real aha moment for, for a group to realize, Oh, that's why they're like, they do the, those different things that are different than how I would do it. And I think Mm -hmm. just the, the knowledge of understanding and appreciating each other and their strengths is so beneficial. So, mm-hmm. well, one last question I have for you is um, what has brought you joy lately or put you a smile on your face? Hmm. Yeah. Well, here's something really cool that's happening right now is my daughter, you know, she, my oldest daughter, Maddie, she's, she's 17. She'll be 18 in December. Um, she's looking at colleges. She's, you know, looking at about you know, three or four, uh, four different colleges. And one of them is the University of Tennessee. Um, and, uh, you know, she um, ha- had a great camp experience this summer with Young Life and met a couple of uh, uh, other peers from, from Tennessee and, and so forth. So they got together and decided, hey, let's meet in Austin. And um, a couple of these uh, young folks, I don't know what, <laughs> one of them's a, a 20, you know, maybe 22 years old or whatever. Um, I guess, is that a millennial? It's probably a millennial, right? Um, I think so. Uh, or Gen Z. I, I, I forget. I don't know what the line is. Anyway, well, she, she did a really cool thing. She invited a couple of them out to Austin. And I think one of the young men is looking at Baylor. And so it kind of made sense for him to come out and they just kind of rallied a bunch of kids from the school. And, you know, they had a, had this worship night, you know, on a back porch had about 40 high school kids, you know, and it was just a really exciting moment, you know, I think for Kristen and I to, to see, you know, our daughter, our oldest, like rally this awesome worship night. Mm, and so you know it was just and it was just an incredible evening of worship um and um and now i have a vision i told maddie i'm like maddie let's do this again let's do a christmas concert too and she's like oh okay you know um, one of the young ladies is just an incredible musician she's got a great uh voice um she's written songs um so anyway it's just i thought you know that's so how cool would it be if, if we could once a quarter, once every three, four months, just have this high school worship night, you know, on our back deck here in Austin and, um, you know, begin to kind of foster, uh, you know, this environment of, of worship and, and Bible study, you know, um, mm. 
so so that's it that that really got me fired up yeah something that kind of happened and you know as parents of course i mean it's the culmination of you know 18 years of raising your child and teaching and training her to walk with jesus and you know taking her overseas and mission trips and and you know seeing her begin to form her own walk with christ and you know, to see her passion her leadership develop um it was just one of those great moments as a parent you know yeah. we're like yes yeah. lord god did something great we're, yeah. so we're just we're really excited about that that's so encouraging oh well mike thank you so much for taking time to chat with me and just to kind of help people listen and understand a little bit more about your strengths and how that's showing up. And I just love getting a little more um, insight into you and the things that you're doing, but just mainly how God is using you and who you are to impact others in such a significant way. So thank you for being with me on Embrace Your Strengths. Thank you, Barbara. It was fun. Okay. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this time has given you hope and encouragement about how amazing you are or helped you understand someone you know or work with or love. If you're curious about your top five strengths, you can take the assessment at cliftonstrengths.com. If this episode's been helpful to you, please leave a review, share the podcast with a friend, or subscribe to Embrace Your Strengths podcast. You can find more information at barbaracolwell.com. I sure look forward to our next time together. Take care.